0: Okay, welcome back to hour number two of Operation Scorpio. And in this hour, we're going to be talking with E. Michael Jones, uh, a man who uh, has some incredible intellect, I believe, and has written many books. We'll have to see how many he wrote. And the creator and editor-in-chief of Culture Wars. Uh, Michael, thank you so much for coming on the show. How are you today? I'm doing fine thanks for having me oh great um how many books have you
1: written uh michael well it depends on what constitutes a book e-books were invented in the middle of my career so if you put ebooks and normal books it's like around 40 if you put it's probably half of that much if you do just paper books
0: wow well well you know uh Two of my favorite books of yours are The Jewish Revolutionary Spirit and Barren Metal. And, you know, Barren Metal is such a, a tome. It's, it's a masterwork in many ways. And, you know, it took me months to read that book. How long did that take you to write? And what, what was your inspiration for beginning that book? Uh, first of all, the first
1: inspiration was the financial crash of 2008. The second inspiration was the Jewish Revolutionary Spirit. This is the sequel to the Jewish Revolutionary Spirit. By the way, the second edition of the Jewish Revolutionary Spirit will be coming out uh, uh, by the end of March. Uh, But so why? Why do I say that? The Jewish Revolutionary Spirit. uh, There's a passage in there where we talk about Heinrich Heine. Um, Balzac is a great French novelist. He's walking down the street in Paris. And there is Heinrich Heine arm in arm with James Rothschild. Heinrich Heine is a German revolutionary, German Jewish revolutionary. Rothschild is obviously the the scion of the famous banking family. And the two of them together uh, make up the Jewish spirit. So Balzac says, "Voilà tous les juifs." So you need both of them to understand how the th- how things work. So in our day, you could transpose that to let's say. George Soros and Antifa okay George Soros and Black Lives Matter George Soros is the rich Jew who provides the money for the revolutionaries on the street and they're the ones that go and try and uh, tear down uh, your society so that the rich Jews can move in and take over that's the story of what happened here last year let's <laughs> let's be honest about it that, that we had a color revolution in the United States and these folks took over it's that simple
0: Yeah, that's true. That that really is true. And, um, you know, I've heard this process described as the uh, um, purification of the oligarchy uh, that's happened uh, under COVID, you know, and uh, I think that there's a lot to say for that point of view. Yeah, COVID
1: was their uh, weapon. It was completely weaponized. Whether there was, I think it was, first of all, created as a weapon in a lab in China and either uh, escaped accidentally or was released on purpose. But the purpose of it was to shut down normal life and uh, more specifically to deny Donald Trump election. And the, the means they used to do that was uh, mail-in ballots. You know, nobody can go to the polls. We're all going to die of COVID. So mail in those ballots and then you can. It's the easiest way to cheat in the election. And that's what they did. And now we're left uh, trying to put the pieces together, trying to figure out what happened in light of a massive propaganda barrage on the part of mainstream media that is suppressing everything. Can't talk about COVID, can't talk about uh, the, uh, the transgendered uh, guy who is now going to tell us how to be healthy uh, after taking hormones and having self-mutilated. I <laughs> uh, can't talk about it. Sorry. Sorry. So this is why I'm glad that we're here and we can talk about
0: it. Yeah. What a hideous creature that, that, that guy is. And the, the idea that this, this creature holds any kind of power in our society shows you that the, the very sick level that our society is operating at right now. Right. This, this, this guy who
1: thinks he's a woman, this fat Jew who thinks he's a girl, <laughs> Is <laughs> the symbol of the, what they believe. You can be anything you want. You can be anything you want. The sky's the limit. And when you act on it, you end up creating, your, you, you turn yourself into a monster, into a freak, because you're denying Logos when you do that. You're a creature of Logos. You were made according to a certain plan. And when you violate that plan, you end up being a freak, a lucis
0: nature, freak of nature. Except this freak of unnature. Yeah. Well, Michael, I, I wanted to answer this last time. How long did it take you to write uh, Barren Metal? And, and by the way, I really like the cover of that book, the, the Rats Around the Cheese. No, no, wait a minute. That's gold. That's gold.
1: And that goes back to, so the answer to your first oh, question. Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It is it took gold. Sorry.
1: Four years. These are, it, took, it took me about four years to write it. But to answer your first, uh, okay. the other question is, Those rats are uh, standing on gold coins. And this goes back to a statement of Aristotle. Aristotle said money is sterile. That's why I call the book barren metal. Okay, that's what Shakespeare used to talk about money in The Merchant of Venice. And Aquinas, uh, uh, a follower of Aristotle, said proof of money, the money is sterile as if you put uh, two rats in a drawer and you come back six weeks later, you'll have lots of rats. But if you put two coins in the drawer and you come back, you'll still have two coins. Okay. Now, Shylock didn't believe that the main character of merchant of Venice. And he said, my ducats, which is the coin of Venice, my ducats can copulate faster than Laban's ewes and rams." So what he was talking about there was usury. That's the only way right. your ducats copulate. Because those two gold coins, they're not rats and they can't copulate.
0: Yeah, the magic (laughs) shuckle machine. Yeah, um, uh, Giuseppe's here, uh, my co-host. Giuseppe, why don't you uh, uh, take it away here?
2: Dr. Jones, wonderful to have you back. Uh, We had so many positive uh, responses for your initial appearance uh, a few weeks ago, months now. I guess it all blurs. But my question for you is... What happened to the integrity of the Catholic Church now that uh, with this uh, one-lunged uh, poser as Pope being part of the New World Order, and uh, the real Catholics like uh, Vagano are at least speaking out, but does Vagano have any real power, and will Vagano be able to uh, drive out the, uh, the crypto-Jews, the conversos who are now controlling the the Catholic the Vatican?
1: Uh, he has no real power because he's not a cardinal. He'll never be a cardinal because of what he's done. And the cardinals are the ones that get to uh, elect the next pope. Okay, so the the, uh, the guy um, uh, Wilton Gregory, who is uh, was Archbishop of Washington, uh, announced that uh, Donald Trump was not welcome in the Catholic Church. Now this is unprecedented. Who is not welcome in the Catholic Church? It was created for sinners. Okay, so he says he's not welcome and he was made a cardinal, so he will be involved in uh, electing the next pope. This is uh, part of the problem here. We have the the Jesuits running the Catholic Church right now. The pope is a Jesuit. uh, And what you had over a period of time, let's say beginning with the papacy of John Paul II, uh, you had a, a kind of convergence of the Catholic Church and the American Empire. Uh, symbolized by Reagan and John Paul II in the war, the anti-communist crusade. And that was uh, blazingly successful. And that was the problem because then the neocons came to power in both the Catholic Church and the United States of America. And that led to the Iraq war. And suddenly everybody decided we don't like this anymore. We don't like America. I watched it happen when I was in Europe. Uh, When I was in uh, in Poland in 1990, right after the Berlin Wall came down, if they thought you were an American, they'd come run up and kiss your hand. Uh, In Germany, I saw the whole thing turn sour because of George Bush and American imperialism. And the Americans took the rap for the Jews. It was the Jews who took over the neoconservatives that took over the Bush administration and launched that war and so on and so forth. So Ratzinger was the successor of uh, John Paul II. He was his right-hand man when he was uh, head of the congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. And then suddenly, I don't know what happened to this guy, but he's the first pope to resign in like 800 years. What happened there? I have no idea. And you had an unprecedented situation where the whole, if you want to call it those forces, that side of the church, if you want to call it the right wing or the conservative side, suddenly got discredited. And the the other side, the left-wing side, saw its chance, and the Zangalan group got this guy elected, and now we're stuck with him. We're stuck with two pokes, actually, which uh, hasn't happened in about uh, 800 years. So uh, uh, if that doesn't explain it, ask me another question, but that's kind of the shorthand version of what happened.
2: Well, uh, no, it it is uh, a very succinct and and, uh, lucid explanation. I'd like to follow up with... uh, the idea of uh, your your fine book uh, libido dominandi the sexual liberation and political control and to me it seems as though the the weaponized minorities the uh radical lesbian the radical uh who's who's taken hormones to grow a beard the radical uh chubby jew like uh dick Levine who renamed himself rachel uh, the uh the the radical um uh, uh, what would you say the <clears throat> in-your-face pornog- pornography, you know, everything that uh, is is intended to give the illusion of freedom, in my mind, actually becomes like an addiction and enslaves you, right? And so that's got leads to the weaponized minorities with these these far out outlier radicals. In power, and the decent majority of the Western nations are are vilified as racists and uh, domestic terrorists. Can you believe that? I mean, so your thoughts on how are they pulling this off? It's such a a mind control operation.
1: You're right. It's exactly what it was. Uh, the subtitle of *Libido Dominani is "Sexual Liberation as Political Control." So I wrote that book about 30 years ago, and nobody nobody understood what I was talking about. It, but uh, it turns out that I, everybody learned in the expensive school of experience that you can become a slave to your passions, and they learned that through the widespread de- dissemination of pornography the biggest dissemination of pornography in human history uh, enabled by the internet created a generation, a whole generation of people uh, who were enslaved and they knew it. So I didn't have to convince them. All I had to do was come up with the explanation. And that's what happened over the fall of uh, 2019. The word got out and suddenly uh, we had something called NoFap November. So the guys woke up and they're not going to watch pornography for the month of November. And suddenly that term became part of people's thought. So, yeah, I I understand now. Sexual liberation is a form of control. The Jews enslaved us to their pornography. The Jews are behind pornography. The the decent people became indecent people because they all watched pornography. And once that happened, they could no longer defend themselves. That was what happened. That's why the Jews did it. They always worked uh, to overthrow the majority. And the best way to do it is by moral corruption because you don't know that you're being overthrown. You think all I want to do is watch those pictures and you forget that you're being enslaved by it. So that happened, and then a consciousness swept through uh, the world and it broke it broke down that form of control. And so what you saw after 2019, after the fall of 2019, was more and more completely overt, in your face forms of control. To the point now where it's completely preposterous. I'm sorry. But if I can't talk about the covid virus that's locking me and everyone else down, what can I talk about? What exactly? And and why do I have to ask uh, uh, Mr. Zuckerberg for permission to talk about something? Who gave this guy the right to control our speech? Well, that's how it happened.
0: Yeah, and uh, uh, Dr. Jones, I really like your, your term, the gay disco. That's really what they've turned society into. And as you have you know, a reprobate uh, populace and a populace that doesn't have any kind of moral code, you create a society where it necessitates the need for a police state. And uh, I think those things are, are you know, no accident.
1: Right. Well, that's what, as I said, John Adams, the founder of the republic, uh, said so we have no uh, we have no uh, constitution that fu- functions in the absence of a moral people. Well, he was right. If you can't control yourself, you certainly can't control the government. And the whole point of this is, yeah, that's exactly the plan. We'll get you to the point where you can't control yourself, and then we'll control you through your passions. And if that wears off, well, then we'll get overt because you've destroyed all of the mechanisms of, of representative government. And... Or you allow them to be destroyed because that's what this is really about. This is about the oligarchs destroying representative government. It began in Indiana. I mean, it began a lot longer though, but in Indiana in 2015, the oligarch, the, 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 our illustrious former governor Mike Pence, passed the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which said you couldn't be bullied by homosexuals into baking cakes for their weddings. Well, the oligarchs didn't like that, and so Mark Benioff of Salesforce he flies in and he says, "You got to, you got to re- rescind that law." Well, P- Pence should have said, "Well, wh- where, are you, which part of Indiana do you come from? Oh, you're from San Francisco. Well, who gave you the right to overturn the laws of Indiana? Officer, arrest this man for trying to overthrow the government. He didn't do that. They rolled over and played dead, and it was only until about five months later when the same." Uh, uh, juggernaut hit north carolina that some guy woke up one of the representatives says hey this is an attack on representative government well duh yeah it is and so now we have a situation where google and facebook are stronger than government we don't have a government we've got google and facebook and now australia woke up to this fact after Facebook started banning uh, material, uh, Poland woke up about uh, four months ago and they passed a law saying you have no right to enforce anything other than the laws of the state of Poland. If you enforce if you deep someone for anything else, they can sue you. Well, that law has to be replicated around the entire world. And now Australia seems to be on the, on the verge of doing something about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. That, that's interesting, and, and you know we have this attack on free speech, but not a mention of of this this absolute proliferation of pornography uh, that even you know children can watch without a problem. Yeah. Just go on why, the internet and watch why it. Is it.
1: Why is it that that uh, pornography is not considered hate speech? Well, because the Jews control the term hate speech. It's that simple and they like pornography for the reasons i've already explained and they like hate speech because it gets them to basically uh get rid of anybody they don't like
0: yeah and and just a minute ago you, you were talking about how conservatives have been rolling over and playing dead that's been going on for a long time how do you, what, what do you attribute that to that conservatives are just sort of limp-wristed uh, people that are, are not giving much of a, uh, a fight against um, the agenda that we see. Right. Because the libertarians,
1: uh, the only villain for a libertarian was government. So if anybody else did it, it was freedom. If, if a government does it, it's tyranny. Well, that's really stupid. I mean, it's got to be one of the dumbest ideas in political history shows you how dumb that is that's the cornerstone of conservatism and suddenly they woke up one day and they realized wait a minute it's not government that's taking away my ability to earn a living it's google it's, <laughs> it's facebook they're cutting me off from the internet that's how i do business and i don't have any recourse where is government when i need it well the conservatives destroyed the idea that government is there to represent the will of the people That's what happened here. So I I think it goes back to John Locke and this notion of the absolute right of private property. Locke was a Whig. His job was to justify the Whig ancestor theft of church property known as the Reformation, the looting operation known as the Reformation. And he said, if you've got it, it's absolutely yours. And that made the Whigs real happy. Well, guess what? That's exactly what happened to Google, Facebook, and all this other type of stuff. It's my operation, and you don't have a damn thing to say about it. And government doesn't know what to do. Like, it's the First Amendment doesn't cover these people. What are we going to do? I don't know what to do. I spent too much time in the libertarian seminar because I forgot that re- government represents the average person against the rich and the powerful because they don't need any representation. They They, ha- they can buy whatever they want. And that's, that's precisely the issue. You have this notion, this stupid, Lockean notion of absolute private property now being used against the people of the entire world by uh, groups like Google and Facebook. And the conservatives, where are they? Have you heard from one lately? Where's Tom Woods? Tom, what's the story here? Is it okay because Google does it It's a private entity? Please get back to me.
2: Yeah, yes. <laughs> well said. You know, it's funny. I'm, I I I regularly say, Doctor Jones, that we've we've migrated from a a nation with a government striving imperfectly to serve of the people, by the people, for the people, to now basically a tyranny that serves of the parasites, by the parasites, for the parasites. And not only do we have to suffer under the yoke of the neoconservative, but the, the ridiculousness of the neoliberal. I mean, when I was a young man in the 70s, liberals were against war. They 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 were, you know, kind of dumb in some of their uh, sexual politics as we previously discussed, but it seemed like at least their big issue was no war and some type of basic human decency. And now they're like bloodthirsty, drooling. We we need more war for Israel. I mean, the the takeover of this nation from World War II. The the great meme was Uncle Sam. Then with the degeneration of the Vietnam War, the veterans who came back called Uncle Sugar, because you know we can get these uh benefits for our suffering. And now I think we we toil under Uncle Shlomo. It's crazy.
1: Well I think that's the history of that period. That's why I wrote the the Jewish revolutionary spirit. That was the my George Bush era book. Because I watched the, the the neoconservatives take over American foreign policy and put us in a war that who who wanted this war? Wait a minute, I'm not in agreement with this. It didn't matter, okay? If the Jews wanted it, if the Israel lobby wanted it, then Bush just jumped and saluted and we all, the country went to war. That's precisely what happened. You can't understand. What happened in this country from World War II to the present until you understand how the the Jewish minority replaced the WASP elite ruling class that ruled this country during World War II and well into, into the 60s? The turning point, in my humble opinion, came in 1978. Okay, this is two years after Woody Allen appears on the cover of Time magazine as an American genius. Oh, I thought he was Jewish. But anyway, uh, and uh, 78 is also the year that Nelson Rockefeller and John D. Rockefeller died. They both died in that year. And there was a changing of the guard. And uh, the war in Iraq is just one symptom of basically the Jewish takeover. Now, those of us who voted for Donald Trump voted for America first. And we got an Israel first foreign policy. And then Biden comes in and you think, well, that's going to be the opposite. Well, no, I guess not, because uh, the Jerusalem Post says there are enough Jews in uh, Biden's cabinet to have a minion. They can have a prayer service. They have so many Jews there. Uh, but if I say that, I'm called an anti-Semite. OK, so the more things change, the more they're the same. And what you see is, well, uh, I guess it's not going to change. So what is Biden? Yeah, Biden, the first day in office, overturns all of these rulings of uh, Donald Trump. You know, abortion, we've all the money you want. You guys are great. Oh, oh wait a minute. What about the uh, JCP? POA. What about the nuclear agreement with Iran? Well, wait a minute, we have to take that a little more slow. Well, why is that? Well, because the Jews control this administration too. That's the problem.
0: Yeah, and it's funny how uh, one of the foundations of so-called conservatism is an undying devotion to Israel somehow, which never has made much sense to me. And, you know, uh, uh, Dr. Jones, in the um, the first hour of the show, I kind of did some digging into, you know, Klaus Schwab who turns out to be a a German Jew, and uh, just incidentally, you know, he was uh, on 9-11 in 2001, on that fateful day. He was at a synagogue in New York City having breakfast with uh, Rabbi Arthur Schneer, uh, the former head of the World Jewish Congress and an associate of the Bronfman family and the Lauder family. And it seems to me that Klaus Schwab is sort of – what he's done with the World Economic Forum is he's organized the oligarchy into uh, a unified agenda. And so uh, maybe you could comment about on Klaus Schwab and this, this oligarchy that seems to be um, uh, materializing.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. The, 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 the playbook here. Uh, you can find it in Shock, the Shock Doctor by Naomi Weiss, where basically they orchestrate uh, catastrophic events, and then uh, when everybody is just shocked and reeling and wondering what happened, they come in and they make all the changes they want. It happens over and over and over again. 9/11, uh, classic example. We got the Patriot Act, and nobody read it, but we got to pass it. you got to pass it because, damn it, they blew up those two buildings, and if you don't pass it, you're not a patriot. Well, it happens all the time. And now they're using the COVID crisis as a way of disguising uh, their crisis, which is a worldwide rebellion against the oligarchs. And I'm saying worldwide. Without a doubt. One of the biggest, the most significant events that nobody's talking about is the farmer revolt in India right now. Farmer yes. first of all, India is important because there are a lot of those people. You know, there's more than mm-hmm. a billion of those people there. And the farmers are protesting the changes in the agriculture laws, which is uh, they're important because we all have to eat. And so uh, the what you got is a completely corrupt guy uh, in charge of India by the name of Narendra Modi, who is playing a double game there. Uh, where if, for the Indians, he's a flaming, flaming Hindu nationalist that is behind an organization, has a, an organization backing them called the well, RSS, whose main words I don't remember. But uh, uh, these are people that uh, will go out and murder Catholic nuns. They'll murder Muslims if they think they uh, uh, ate a cow, this type of stuff. And Modi will say nothing about this because this is how he keeps the domestic population under control. He passed, passed a law recently that basically disenfranchised the India's Muslims, which is a lot of people. OK, now that's the domestic side. Now, the foreign policy side is the exact opposite. He licks the boots of the oligarchs on the foreign policy end. So he's got the best of both worlds. You know, he's the man in the middle who cuts the deal, and the main deal that he cuts is cheap labor. He's, his job is to make India the cheap labor capital of the world, okay? Now, that is a self-defeating program, and the best way to see that has been cheap labor garment industry in India. India is the leading – it is the leading producer of cheap cheap cloth in the world – And so I know I know people involved in the garment industry in India. This is like what they're telling me from the inside. They would come here to New York and they take orders from, you know, Gap, uh, uh, Forever 21, American Eagle, Banana Republic, all the middle middle realm uh, clothing retailers. And then they go back and they pay the, the, the poor Indian tailors you know, 50 cents a day or whatever they cheap, 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 cheap. And the middleman made all the money and we ended up being flooded with cheap clothes. And Hey, it's a good deal, except that, uh, after a while when nobody produces anything in this country, guess what? You don't have any money to buy anything, but old Navy, old Navy is the only uh, retailer left standing because it's the cheapest junk out there. And this is the race to the bottom. So guess what? My my Indian friend shows up in New York, and guess what? Nobody's placing orders because they all went out of business. All those places are out of business now because there's no, in a sense, no clothing middle class anymore. Everybody's going to Old Navy and buying T-shirts. That's the, the, the that's the essence of this self defeating policy that keeps Indians poor and ruins the economy over here too. Well stated. Now. In, in
2: the District of Criminals General Area know many Catholics. I was raised a Catholic as well. And um it's interesting that they have a very warm communal church. I mean I've 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 been to several and interacted our neighbors. We uh moved into a, a neighborhood that's heavy Catholic and they're all really good people. They um what's it gonna take for these people to wake up and kind of uh, band together and save their level of societal existence
1: all right they have to the, you 're talking about American Catholics now yes. the american Catholics uh, they, they came over here were immigrants, you come over from Europe, you have chances here opportunities that you didn't have in Europe, and you become grateful and you really want to succeed in this country because these guys are real these are cool guys, and i'm talking about let's say F. Scott Fitzgerald now in The Great Gatsby. Uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald was a Catholic boy from St. Paul, Minnesota, and he got to go to Princeton at the high watermark of wasp culture. And these guys were cool. I still like the way they dress. You know, Princeton's a cool place. And so I want to become an American. Well, that infected the entire church and they were willing to compromise the faith. And Pope Leo the Thirteenth woke up to it at one point, and he says, this is a heresy. He called uh, testem benevolentiae, he said, this is the heresy of Americanism. Well, that was the problem. You had all of these people who wanted to be, they were more interested in being American than they were Catholic, and, the, and the, the government was willing to go along with this and delude them that they had some type of say, at the same time that they're wrecking the basis of their culture. And that's the book I wrote called uh, The Slaughter of Cities urban renewal is ethnic cleansing. So the first of all, and then uh, the the, uh, thanks to places like Notre Dame and Father Hesburgh, the Catholics had their higher education institutions stolen from them. Hesburgh is one of the biggest thieves in American history. Uh, And so as a result, they were decapitated. So I started off, I thought I was going to be a professor at a Catholic college and I got there and I got fired for being against abortion. And I thought, what the hell's going on here? Yeah, and that's why I got out of academia. The best decision I ever made in my life. Uh, uh, and so they lost, they lost their history, they lost their identity. The Catholics are a victim of identity theft, and uh, they were conquered. They're conquered people. Uh, and so until they wake up and realize what really happened to them, by by I mean by reading books like Slaughter of Cities, and you find out. Well, now I know why I'm in the suburbs. And while I grew up in the suburbs, i not in that nice ethnic neighborhood that they filmed in The Godfather. Now I know that that's got to happen here. And they've got to we have to reject this Americanism that is manifested now. in people like Joe Biden and Wilton Gregory, this is Americanism of the worst and crudest and most repulsive sort. And it's got they, it, 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 if you didn't understand it. Till now, you better understand it now. The Jesuits in, in uh, New York City, America magazine, their magazine is called America. Well, guess guess what that means? They are Americanist to the man, which means now it, America, being a good America means going to the gay disco. And, <laughs> and James Martin, SJ, can show you the way to the disco. And he can teach you a few dance steps at the disco, too. That's why we're in the mess we're in. We Catholics, I mean.
0: Yeah, and there's no, there's no way to uh, decouple Western civilization from Christianity and the Catholic Church. You really can't do it, no. yet somehow we're in a situation now where um, uh, basic the basic moral code that guided Western civilization is being um, tossed aside.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. You're right. That's why I wrote Logos Rising, A History of Ultimate Reality. uh, The cutting edge of Logos in in human history is the Catholic Church as of the time of Jesus Christ. (laughs) Everybody howls when I say that. I, I can imagine what the comment box is going to be saying right now. But it's true. And if you don't believe me, read Logos Rising. And if you're still not after that, you can ask me a question because that is the cutting edge of Logos. And we have to get back to Logos. And that means the church is going to have to make some course corrections. And the main course correction the church is going to have to make is we have to get back to the traditional Catholic teaching on the Jews. This Catholic-Jewish dialogue was the biggest mistake in the history of the Catholic Church. It has wrecked the Catholic Church because it it makes you pretend that uh, you, you don't have any enemies. The church doesn't have any enemies the traditional enemy of the gospel simply disappears, and anybody who brings it up and says, well, wait a minute, this, aren't the Jews behind gay marriage? Amy Dean said that, in the Jewish – no, you're an anti-Semite if you say that. We cannot get forward. We cannot proceed with that type of attitude in the Catholic Church.
2: Yeah. I mean, That's look why, at. Uh, just,
1: just to make one other point, that is why the Catholic Church has lost every single battle in the culture wars since 1965, which is when this whole Catholic Jewish dialogue failed experiment came into existence.
0: Go ahead, Giuseppe.
2: Well, I was going to say, I mean, it's it's uh, factual that a, a bitter man named uh, Cyrus Schofield was uh, hired by Samuel Untmeyer. In service to the Rothschild banking cabal and re- rewrote the bible the schofield bible to uh which has led to the idea that the uh uh the the Jew is the chosen people when in reality that is only the case in their mind and and all of a sudden you know it's led to these evangelical Christian Zionists which to me, is such an oxymoron, right. it's hard to believe the absolutely. level of stu- stupidity there. And You're so ab- what are your thoughts on that?
1: You're absolutely right. That is the biggest crisis among evangelical Christians. They're all Christian Zionists. They have commissars appointed to rule over them and make sure they never leave the Christian Zionist reservation. And the main enforced intellectual underpinning of that is the Schofield Bible. Which is completely heretical, completely nonsensical, but it's taught in all these, and that is it's taught in all these churches, these independent churches, evangelical churches. This is what Mike Pence. Mike Pence started out life as a Catholic, and then he had ninety percent of his brain removed, and then he then he became a Christian <laughs> Zionist, and that's what he is today. Because that's the power down in Southern Indiana. Those are the people that that uh, that, that that rule the roost down there. That just as I said. What I said about the Catholic Church is true. They've got to get back to the traditional teaching of the church, and my evangelical brothers have got to repudiate this Schofield heresy. They gotta get back to the gospel. Read the Gospel of St. John once again, fellas, and tell me how that's compatible with the Schofield Bible. It's not.
2: Yeah, it's it's Great just point. we live in a time of madness where up is down, black is white, hot is cold. It's so many inversions, the classic technique of the synagogue of Satan is inverting everything and making us the evil and they the perpetual victim. It's it's such a tired scheme, and it's so obvious to me, you, most of our listeners, and yet to the average person, oh, you're an anti-Semite, oh, you're a racist, oh, you're a homophobe. Well, not really. I mean,
1: yeah.
2: I'm just well, trying I, to point
1: out I, the truth. I've been called an anti-Semite for about, uh, you know, at least 12 years now since the Jewish revolutionary spirit came out. You can't you can't argue uh, with this word. You simply cannot do it. So what I'm telling you is the antidote to the accusation of you're an anti-Semite. You simply say, is it a sin to criticize Jews? Let's just cut to the chase here. If it's a sin, I'm I don't want to commit. I don't want to commit a sin. Because, you know, that's that's the wrong thing to do. So you tell me, is it a sin to commit to, to criticize Jews? Yes or no? No? Okay. It's not a sin. Okay. You don't like it, but it's not a sin. So you're just going to have to put up with it. Okay? If they say yes, then you say, well, uh, didn't Jesus Christ criticize Jews? Didn't Moses criticize Jews? Is Moses an anti-Semite? And and who made up this rule that that there's one group that is above any criticism? Because that's what we're talking about. Anytime a Jew doesn't like what you say, he calls you an anti-Semite. And that term, he will use that term to wreck your career, deny you a livelihood, and and all sorts of other bad things. And this is intolerable. This is not American. This is anti-American thinking. And it's wrong. And we have to stand up to it. Because if we don't, there's no limit. You know, so it, the, the anti, you know, okay, the ADL issues, the list. we're going to ban all those people. They ban them. And now we're up to the COVID people. Anybody who disagrees with the oligarchs on COVID, what's it going to be next year? Anybody who makes fun of, of uh, Rachel Levine is going to lose his job? I mean, where, where's it going to end? It's not going to end because these are people who don't understand logos and logos means limit. There's no limit here. It's going to get worse until people we all start standing up to it.
0: Well, yeah, yeah. It seems to be open rebellion against the the fundamental teachings of, of Christ and the fundamentals of Western civilization. Right, and it's not going to end well.
1: Right. Is it is it anti-Semitic to say that uh, uh, Richard Levine or Rachel Levine is a fat Jew who thinks he's a woman? <laughs> Is that anti-Semitic? I mean, it's a fact. It's a fact. I suppose you said he was a fat, ugly Jew who thinks he's a woman. Well, why can't we say that? What's wrong with saying that? And and, and secondly, uh, why are you imposing this guy on us as some type of ruler who's going to tell us about health? I mean, this guy sh- shoots himself up with hormones. God knows what happened below the belt there. I don't even want to go into that. Okay? And this guy's going to tell me how to be healthy? This is ridiculous.
0: Well, and just a, a quick glance at this creature. Uh, to me, it's very clear that this individual is mentally ill.
1: Right. And you're not only uh, – you're, you're you're doing people a disservice when they come in to you and, and say, look, I think I'm a woman. And you're supposed to say, well, look, let's talk about this. I know you've got problems. Let's talk through your problem. No, I got to OK, yeah, you think you're a woman? Well, good. I'll charge you a lot of money and I'll mutilate your body and make your life miserable. And I'll I'll make out better than if I told you to 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 go back and, and try and work out your problem psychologically. That's what's going on here. Yeah. The, I, the other irony here is you let these people do whatever they want. And they turn themselves into freaks. Well, we're not doing these people any favors. Okay. We're not doing them any favors by allowing them to mutilate themselves according to their psychopathological illusions.
0: That's true. And, you know, the suicide rate amongst uh, so called transgender is actually very high. And That's many right. of them actually end up regretting what they did. That's right. And, and uh, do it's do tragic. It really is. It is tragic. And, uh, Michael, it's Michael, I know you said you had to go at quarter till. So yeah. uh, I just want to ask you, um, wh- what's the best way for people to subscribe to Culture Wars and uh, g- gain access to buying your books?
1: Just go to culturewars.com uh, and all the magazines. You can subscribe. You can go to buy all the books. They're all available there at culturewars.com.
0: Okay, and what, what's, uh, what, what have you been working on there with uh, um, Culture Wars th- this recently?
1: Uh, we've got um, uh, all kinds of stuff going on here. Uh, one of the chapters that's going to appear in uh, the new edition of Jewish Revolutionary Spirit, that will appear in the March issue. Uh, we've done, uh, you know, it's, it's like the middle, okay? It's between like a 1,400-page book and a tweet. You know, and there's a lot of middle ground in there. And that's the type of stuff we cover uh, in Culture Wars every month. You know, you can't, there's no point competing with headlines. You can't do that. You take a step back and you try to deal with the, the issues. All of those, all of these books started off as articles in Culture Wars magazine. So this is where you can get in on the ground floor with the ideas and you can t- talk about, you know, with people in the letters column. Uh, and it's been going on for 40 years now. So God willing, it will continue.
0: Wow. Gi- Giuseppe, uh, final thoughts or question for uh, uh, Dr. Jones before we have to let him go? Oh, thank you
2: again for joining the show. Hopefully we can get you back in the near future. And in my mind, the uh, American Catholicism was at its high point back in the mid-20th century when you had crusaders like Father uh, Coglin and really trying to champion a populist movement that – champion decent Catholics and decent ethnic uh, uh, reality of real neighborhoods. And, and do you think we'll ever see that type of activism again? No,
1: it, well, it, it, well, activism, yeah, we'll see activism. You can never go back. You can only go forward and you can only reach a higher level than you had before through suffering. That's the point of the cross. That is the point of Hegelian dialectic. That's the That's the meaning of history. You know, you have this state, it's a nice state, and then suddenly catastrophe, and then you have a higher state. So you begin in the Garden of Eden, and then you have the fall, and then you have the Jesus Christ, the Savior, comes. That's, that's, that's going to happen in America in some way that we can't predict at the moment.
0: Excellent. Right. Well, uh, Dr. Jones, thanks so much for coming on the show. And hopefully we can get you to come back on in the next month or so, six weeks or something like that.
1: Yes, I'd be happy to. Thank you.
0: Thank you for. Okay. A great thanks again. Thank you, sir. And you take care, sir.
1: Okay. All right. Bye-bye.